Welcome back to the Actors Room. My name's Jeff Tarowski, and this week we continue talking about the documentary put out by Netflix called Amanda Knox. This is part two. Hope you enjoyed last week's episode. And sorry for the long delay to get the second one out. So sit back, try to relax, pour yourself that beverage of choice. For me tonight, I might do some wine. Red wine for me and my wife if she wants to. (laughs) I hope you enjoy the show. Okay. All right. Here we go. Amanda Knox, part two in the actor's room. Hope everybody out there is doing good. Crazy times. Hang in there. But I'm going to take you away for a few minutes on the show, talking about Amanda Knox, her situation, uh, the death surrounding Meredith Kircher, the British student that was studying in Perugia, Italy. Amanda Knox was her roommate for a brief time. And there was friction between the two of them. From my research, that's what my research tells me. Now, mind you, they got along pretty well for being roommates. And I think I mentioned my first episode that when you have a roommate, you find out what they're all about. You're living with them. When your friends hanging out, you're not living with somebody. You don't really know who they are. Well, you find out exactly who they are once you start sharing the same rooms. Sharing rent. Sharing chores. Doing things around the house you feel are necessary to uphold your residence. Whether it's throwing out the garbage or just cleaning up your general area. These are all things that are important. They're important to me. When I had roommates, I felt the same way. Meredith, well, she frowned upon some of the things that Amanda would do in the apartment. For instance, just cleaning up after herself. The fact that she would bring home men. Although that may not seem like a big deal to some people, it is for others. And you have to respect your roommates. Now, I'm not saying Meredith hated Amanda. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, there may have been friction there. And from my research, that's exactly what I found out. Friction. And this is normal behavior. You're going to have friction among roommates. But I want to get back to talking about Amanda's behavior. Her behavior right after her roommate dies. Meredith, her roommate, murdered in cold blood. And moments later, smooching outside the apartment with her boyfriend. I disapprove. What do you feel about that? Does it affect you at all, seeing them kissing the way they did? The fact that hours later, they were seen about town, smooching it up again, buying lingerie. And the people at the store saying they were giggling and talking about how their sex was going to be Just freaking amazing that night. 
your roommate just died in a very, very bizarre way. It's not like she overdosed on pills, right? You know, some kids that college party, I mean, they get wasted to the point they die of alcohol poisoning. Just weird shit that happens when you're drunk. Kids partying and whatnot. These things happen. It's rare, but it happens. This is completely different. Amanda's roommate, Meredith, was murdered. Let me say that again. Her roommate was murdered with a knife in their apartment where Amanda lives. Lived. Lives. Lived. And hours later, you're buying lingerie, smooching, kissing, giggling, talking about the great sex that you're going to have that night. The night after your roommate was murdered. These are fun times. This is a sneak peek into who Amanda is and maybe Raph as well. Did Raph play a part in what happened to Meredith? And I'm going to reiterate what I've said before. I don't know if Amanda and Raph are guilty. I don't. And I'm not going to make that call where I feel strong enough because the people who really know Raph, Amanda, Meredith, and Rudy, okay, they're the only ones to know for sure. Unless there are other people there that night. But those of us on the outside, even Amanda's parents, for Christ's sake, they don't know for sure. <laughs> they weren't there. Those of us looking from the outside, studying the case, looking at facts, looking at opinions, behaviors, we don't know 100%. And what cracks my shit up, go look at my first show on Amanda, done a few weeks ago, and it was great. I'm getting comments on the show. That's fantastic. And there was somebody defending Knox. You're going to have that. Um, and they brought up some valid points, things that were in court documents and things that cannot be proven 100%. And I get that. And then I brought up some points of my own. The fact that I don't know for sure. And then you shouldn't either. Okay? The person throwing these comments at me, telling me, uh, Amanda is innocent, and this backs it up. Read it. It's in the comments section. And I replied, okay. And I gave a few comments of my own saying, I don't know for sure. I can't say Amanda's guilty. So I'm reaching out to you, and it should also come across from your perspective that you don't know for sure 100%. Are you willing to say that? And they couldn't say it. Like he or she knows 100% that Amanda is innocent. He can't say that or she can't say that. Whoever posted that comment. They refused to admit the fact that they didn't know 100%. I know I don't have the answers for this situation. Nobody but a select few do know for sure. The cops had a pretty good idea who did it. The courts had a pretty good idea who did it. And there's evidence pointing towards 
a few people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. We're going to dive into this, the behavior. Got, got away from that, but Amanda's behavior, the smooching, kissing, okay. buying lingerie, frowned upon. For me, it is. And then I found that Amanda was at the police station with all the other roommates waiting to be questioned after the event, the event, the murder, the event. Sorry. So people are at the station waiting to be questioned. Amanda and Raph were two of the people there. Roommates, whoever was surrounding Meredith at the time was questioned, just like everybody else. Roommates, friends, and family of Meredith were uh, sad, crying, uh, questioning what happened, trying to make sense of everything, talking amongst themselves at the station. And one of the things the roommate brought up was that, by God, I hope Meredith didn't suffer. This is what Amanda said. In reply to this comment, Amanda said, of course she suffered. She had her fucking throat slit. End of quote. Who says that at that time? That is so completely and utterly inappropriate. And even Amanda Knox herself in the documentary, said that was done in bad taste. No shit. I see behavior like that. And it makes me wonder. What's really going on in the mind of Amanda Knox? Does this prove that she's guilty? No, it's, it doesn't. Uh, being a smartass, being completely rude, is not a crime. Should be. <laughs> should be. Should be. Like, there should be a law that says if somebody does something completely stupid or says something completely inappropriate and the majority of the people around them agree, then it should be legal to smack them right across the face. Open hand. Not closed. Maybe closed. Depending on how stupid it is. And Amanda Knox deserved one of those with that comment. What is that? And what kind of person says that? And if she's not guilty, what the hell? Somebody needed to teach that young woman some manners. So what does that say? What does that do for you? Somebody who doesn't really know. They're on the fence with Amanda. Like, oh, you know, there's evidence in all this behavior and all these things against her. And I get it. And yeah. But, you know, I look at other things. Like the Rudy Guede situation. And that it's probable that it was just him. Because there's really not enough evidence for me that Amanda and Raph were in the apartment. So, yeah, I'm on the fence. I could go either way. I lean more towards her guilt, but I can't say 100%. That's where I'm at. And if that's where you're at, and you hear things like that, and you go, <laughs> what? Okay, moving on. <laughs> 
There was some questioning done by the cops towards Raphael Selecito, and that is, of course, Amanda's boyfriend. They had some questions for him. They wanted to question him further. So they called him up, said, Raph? I'm sure they called him Raph, too. <laughs> they said, Raph. Raph S. We got a few extra questions for you. As soon as you can, please come down to the station. Thank you. Raph said, fine. I am eating dinner with a group of friends at the moment. And I believe it was around, I think, 8 in the evening. And Raph said, I will be at the police station. I'll drop by after my dinner. Wow. Mr. Selechito. <laughs> you know, if the cops called me and said, hey, Jeff, we need you down at the station ASAP. We need to ask you a few questions. And I was in the middle of dinner. I would stop what I was doing, eating, and go there immediately because my appetite would probably be uh, gone at that point. And I would want to get that situation, whatever the cops want to know. Okay, I'm going to go there as soon as possible. Cops say as soon as possible. That's going to be, uh, yeah, the way to do it. Raph doesn't do that. He finishes his meal, takes his time, and gets to the station. Lovely that he actually went there that evening and didn't go there the next day. I'm sorry. If I'm sounding really sarcastic about this, okay, it's for a reason. They seem very lackadaisical to me. Like, I'm talking about Amanda and Raph. Just, whatever. Um, yeah. You know, I'm... Amanda and I, we're in the middle of dinner, uh, and we'll be there when we're done, and then we're going to have some after-dinner drinks and chuckle a few, and then we'll stop by the station because, you know. <laughs> I mean, you're wasting people's time here. I just, there just seems to me that their reactions, their behavior speaks volumes negatively Towards them here. It just does to me. And I'm dissecting this behavior. And trying to have it make sense to me. And hopefully the audience. Those of you who are on the fence about this. Okay. Uh, get something out of it. I hope you, you do. I, and entertained as well. I, I try to do that. Try to have a little fun with this. I listen to other podcasts. They're just so serious. And yes. <laughs> and others actually are two out there. Like this one podcast they do, tri True Crime. And for some reason, I can't spit out true crime <laughs> sometimes. But anyways, there's this one podcast and they do true crime. And that's the basis of their show. And it's a man and a woman. Uh, they constantly laugh at almost everything. And they're actually not that bad with their information and whatnot. They do good research. But I can't stand it. Constant laughter. They're hilarious. They just break each other up constantly. I know, right? <laughs> it, uh, it's just certain things that turn me off. You know? I just can't help myself. And those of you who listen to my show and kind of know me a little, 
kind of get that. Um, there's no bullshit with me sometimes. I try to cut through that. I, I see no point in it. Why do that? I don't. So, getting back to the questioning, right? Raph, Amanda, they just stroll into the police station that night. Okay? And what I find interesting is that Raph was the only one called in. Amanda wasn't. Okay? They just wanted to speak to Raph. Amanda came on her own accord because she wanted to be with her boyfriend. Uh, thinking it wasn't going to take that long, maybe. And just wanted to stay by him, you know. Uh, be there for support, maybe. Who knows? But she wasn't called down. They asked Raph some questions. In the waiting room, Ra uh, uh, Amanda is being uh, rude. Go figure. Complaining that she's hungry, that she's tired, that this whole situation has just been draining, you know, for them. The, you know, uh, having dinner with friends must have been completely draining. Uh, so they gave her a little homework assignment, the cops. They were tired of hearing her bitching <laughs> that they gave her something to do. They told her to write down names of people that have been in and out of their apartment. Uh, so that might be helpful. Amanda actually did that and wrote down names. Okay. That might, you know, be of importance. It gave her something to do. Another thing, too, is like she didn't have to be there. She could have left at any time. You're hungry? Leave. Or their vending machines down the uh, hallway. Tired? Go home. Get some rest. Because at this time, I think it's getting pretty close to 11 o'clock at night. Uh, Raphael starts to tremble, crumble under police questioning that night. He starts to roll on Amanda. And when I say that, I mean he's starting to go back on his story. He cannot verify certain hours in that evening of Meredith's death with Amanda. He now says to the cops that Amanda and him were not together at certain points in the evening, specifically around the time Meredith was murdered. How convenient. Now, you have to ask yourself this question. What were the cops doing to Raph at that point? Why was Raph changing his story? Hmm. What's that? Did the cops have some information that Raph couldn't verify in order for his story to make sense? For instance, the reason why they wanted to question him that night is because there were certain times in the, in the night that Raph and Amanda said that weren't lining up with their story, uh, with what happened that night. It just wasn't. So did the cops have certain specific time periods that Raph doesn't have an alibi for in some way? Uh, they both turned their phones off at the same time. Interesting. And then turned them back on at the same time. With this big gap of, of time. So what did the police know? The police aren't going to tell us everything uh, during an interrogation. They can make shit up. They can do whatever they can to get their story. 
So Raph starts backing away from Amanda. So now that Amanda is at the police station, thank God she's there. We're going to ask her a few questions. And that's what they do, folks. They question Amanda that night. And they I'm sure they put a tour. Why not? Hey, this is a murder investigation. Your boyfriend in the next room says he can't back your story anymore. Amanda's getting scared. Oh, boy. <laughs> Why is Raph doing this? She says, I don't know what my boyfriend's been telling you, but I'm sticking to my story. I know what happened that night. I'm innocent. I had nothing to do with Meredith's death. Nothing. I don't know what Raph's telling you. He's lying. They pressed her. Amanda says they got physical with her, slapping her across the back of the head. The police say that's ridiculous. Didn't happen. Amanda says they also uh, starved her. She couldn't drink. That's also false. It didn't take that long, the investigation. I'm sorry, the interrogation. Uh, She says it did, that they were mean to her. Uh, And they might have been in some ways. These interrogations, sometimes, they're not pleasant. And they're not meant to be pleasant. I mean, that's just the way it works. If the police have any suspicion of you in a murder case, they might be a bit forceful with you. And they should. They're trying to get answers. If something doesn't make sense, they're going to give you some point-blank questions. And you got to answer them. And they got to believe you. And if they don't, Things gonna, are going to start getting a little uh, hairy. And they did for Amanda that night. They want to see her cell phone. So she hands over her phone. And they see that the night of Meredith's death, Amanda got a text from her boss at the club or the bar. The boss, Patrick Lumumba, sent a text to Amanda saying, You don't have to come in tonight. It's slow. Stay home. Amanda was happy about this. She can stay with Raph and they can have an evening. And they did. So Amanda texted back to her boss in Italian. I will see you later. In Italian. Okay. The cops see this and go, whoa. You just texted your boss and said, I will see you later. And Amanda says, wait, no, whoa, whoa, no, wait, wait. (laughs) Language barriers. In America... When we say, I'll see you later, it doesn't mean I'm going to see you that night. It means I might see you tomorrow, next week, whatever. The next time I see you, that's when I see you. Don't take it so literally. It doesn't mean I saw him that night. The cops, they they didn't understand that. Or they were trying to get her to say something. I don't know which one. Maybe they did take it literally. But I have to mention this. That Amanda Knox did know Italian pretty well. She did. I'm not saying she knew it fluently, but she knew it pretty damn well. Plus, they supplied an interpreter for her that night during questioning. So if Amanda Knox had any questions whatsoever about what was said in Italian, she can reference the Italian interpreter sitting next to her. So I don't want to hear how confused Amanda was that night. It should have been as plain as day. What happened? The police pressed further. What really happened that night, Amanda? You saw Patrick? She says, I didn't see Patrick. And they said, well, this text says 
that you did? And she explains, no, that's an American term meaning I will see you at another time. The cops press her about Patrick and say, we have a feeling that Patrick and you were at the apartment that night. Raffaele, your boyfriend, cannot support the fact that you were with him from 11 p.m. till like 1 or 2 a.m. So where were you, Amanda? And this is where it gets really weird. I don't know why Amanda Knox broke down so quickly. But then she ends up saying that Patrick Lumumba was there that night with Amanda. She's putting herself in the apartment with Patrick on the night of the murder. She says it feels like a dream. What the hell were the cops telling her? Where she is now admitting she was there with Patrick and says that she held her hands over her ears as Meredith screamed and Patrick murdering her in the bedroom. She screams. She hears screams. It's confusing. By God, I don't know what's going on. I guess I was there. And then you have to play into the fact that Raph and Amanda were taking a lot of drugs that night. Weed. God only knows what else. Drinking. Was she confused that, oh, maybe I took so much drugs, I don't know where I was. It's a very confusing situation here. But you can't take away from the simple fact she's blaming her boss for this. Right? I don't care what the cops told you. Oh, Patrick was there. You were there. What happened? Uh, I, I guess Patrick killed her. Right? Okay. What? Oh, no, 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 no. If I knew that my boss didn't kill Meredith, I sure as hell wouldn't go, okay, yeah, you're right. He did it. So what did they do? The cops, they're happy, right? They got their guy. Patrick Lumumba, the boss, is arrested immediately and put into jail. Amanda the next day's writing letters. By God, I don't know what's going on. I'm scared. I'm confused. I don't know what happened. Blah, 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 right? And poor Patrick Lumumba sits in jail. Forget this, three weeks. Amanda Knox allowed her boss, an innocent man, to sit in jail for around three weeks. Who does that? There was an eyewitness that finally came out to clear Lumumba, a witness at the bar. And I believe there was three witnesses, actually, that told police Patrick was at the bar. He has an alibi. Get his ass out of jail. And they did. How long would Patrick Lumumba be sitting in jail if those witnesses didn't come forward? Amanda sure was not recanting her story. Mind you, she's writing letters of how confused she was. Doesn't do that. It doesn't do that much for me here. She would have let that. Would she have let Patrick Lumumba take the rap for this? If Patrick Lumumba didn't have those witnesses, would Amanda Knox have had Patrick Lumumba take the rap for that murder? Thank God Patrick had an alibi.
This speaks volumes to me right there. Even if she's innocent. What a piece of shit. Man. All right, I'm going to look down at my notes here. All right. Yeah, I mentioned that uh, Nax bought the lingerie. That's a classy move. Got that. All right. So we're moving on. Okay. And I thought I mentioned this in the first part. Maybe I didn't. Okay. Now that they got Amanda in jail, I mean, she's very suspicious, of course, and she was at the crime scene of the murder. So, yeah, they have her in jail. The police do this, and I call this the HIV positive tactic. This is messed up stuff. I guess the police department of Perugia, Italy, felt it would be a great idea to tell Amanda Knox that she tested positive for HIV. And mind you, when you're sent away to jail, they do tests on you. They take blood tests, they do all sorts of physicals, all that stuff. They come back to Amanda and say, you tested positive for HIV. This is wrong on every level because Amanda didn't have HIV. They did it for a reason, folks. They wanted to find out how many partners, bed partners, Amanda had in her life. Now that she's tested positive for HIV, she now has to give a list of every single man she'd been with in her life. And she does. Amanda gets this. And she gives him a list. Seven men. Seven. The police... This tactic kind of backfired on them. Seven? Eh, not that much. Eh, you know. They were expecting a bigger number. Like a ridiculous number. Like 45 guys. Maybe a couple of girls in there. Who knows? They were looking for anything and everything to paint Amanda in a bad way. And cops can do this. They can. They can flat out lie to you. To your face. During an interrogation tell you, uh, we just got information that your mom passed away moments ago. How do you feel about that? And as you're crying, by God, I can't believe this. What? They could say, uh, we were kidding. Your mom's not dead. We just wanted to see your reaction about that. Folks, they can flat out do that and get away with it with no repercussion. Messed up stuff, but that's just the way the world is with cops. Mm. That one backfired on them. The HIV positive tactic. You have AIDS or the possibility of AIDS, right? You test positive. Oh my God. I, I wonder how long. I wonder how long they let her sit on that. Think about it. If it's not true, telling somebody that you might have AIDS. Or you do have AIDS, right? And <laughs> how long did they let her stew on that? Was it a couple hours? Was it a couple of days? I mean, fucking assholes, man. Very scary stuff. Man, very scary. And I am, I have a weird obsession with like prison movies and 
and just like prison life. Like I, I watch docs and shows and movies about that stuff. Like I find it fascinating, the whole prison structure. What really goes on behind bars? You know, there's all that talk about, you know, for guys, like, you know, the homosexual thing. Like, like if you're put away, like the first thing is, you know, you become someone's bitch or, you know, stuff like that scared the fuck out of me. Like there's no way in hell. I would put myself in a position to be arrested and possibly go to jail or prison. Stuff, I don't know. It, things that I don't know about, right? Fascinate me. That I just don't know firsthand. And read about, learn about. That I mean, whether Amanda is guilty or not, your heart has to go out to her when you hear something like that. Because that is completely messed up. And this also is messed up. Amanda's diary was released. I guess Amanda kept a diary in prison about what was going on. I mean, what else is she going to do, right? She's pouring her heart on paper. Saying how confused she is. How scared she is. She just wants to go home. And other personal things. Well, some fucking asshole got a hold of her diary in prison and released it to the press. And let's bring up Nick Pisa, the journalist, again, because he's part of the press. He was questioned about that because he was the one that got the diary. And in the doc, they asked him, Nick, how did you get that diary? What's your source? And Nick simply says, I don't reveal my sources. Oh, really? How proud you must be of that. This just bona fide A1, just top of the line journalist, full of integrity. I don't reveal my sources. Oh, those great sources that you had at the very beginning of the case that you just flung around at a, at a whim. Freaking press, man. A sneak peek. And all you out there probably know what I'm talking about with the press. And if you don't, wake up. I don't believe much what the press tells me. Not much at all. It's a bunch of garbage. It's ratings, opinions, and their sources, for the most part, suck. There's agendas out there, people. You know it. I know it. Moving on. They found a knife in Raph's kitchen. Raphael Selechitao. This knife had Amanda Knox's DNA on the handle and Meredith's DNA on the tip. Did you hear me? Let's repeat that. The cops found a knife in Raph's kitchen. Now, mind you, the DNA on this knife was very small, but I don't give a shit. This is super important. They found... Amanda Knox's DNA on the handle of the knife. And then they found Kircher's DNA on the tip. They also found Raph's DNA on a bra clasp of Meredith in her room after the murder. Mind you, this clasp was found weeks into the investigation. I guess it was under stuff. And the defense 
says it's just unreliable. I guess there was other male DNA found on that clasp. Let's take a moment to just let that sink in. Defense team saying unreliable evidence. They found it weeks after the investigation. It was handled improperly. It's tarnished. Can't use it. I get that. But what the hell is Raft's DNA doing on Meredith's bra clasp? And I don't care how small that DNA is. I don't care how mishandled that knife was. I don't care if the the cops were juggling it amongst each other. Juggling it from one to another and getting it into the bag. The evidence bag. I don't care if they found that bra clasp three months after the investigation. Under mounds of laundry. What is his DNA doing on that bra clasp? This class was found in Meredith's room where she was killed. Small DNA sample? Okay. Mishandled? Sure. But why is his DNA there? And why are there two other DNA found on her bra clasp? What's that? Could that be DNA from uh, the cops handling it improperly? Or were there other people there that night? It could it just be that um, Meredith didn't do her laundry uh, for like a week. And, you know, she was messing around with a couple other guys. But was she messing around with Selechito? Would is Was Meredith this type of person? Okay. I know I'm kind of tripping over my words. I got thoughts in my head about this stuff. Thoughts. Swimming. Would Meredith have messed around with Raph? Amanda's boyfriend. Was she that type of person? I don't think she cared for Amanda and Raph anyway. I doubt she was messing around with Celestia. And I want to give my opinions on Celestia, Amanda's boyfriend, just briefly. How do I feel about him? I think at that time, he was just in, on another planet. He was so infatuated and flattered that this cute, sexy American girl, uh, Amanda, liked him. And she put her hooks into this kid, I mean, immediately. He looked like Harry Potter. She loves Harry Potter. She had sex with him the first night. Woohoo! Yeah! <laughs> they're just, they're banging right off the bat. That happens. It never happened to me, but it happens. They were having nonstop sex for five days. It was wonderful. Drugs, sex, booze, laughs, drinks. Woo! He was having the time of his life, folks. Banging every day. This cute girl. Weed. <sighs> yeah. He was on another planet, this kid. And probably would have done anything. And I mean just about anything for that cute American girl. <laughs> was she a bit deviant, Amanda? I mean, when I look at her did, with just clips and stuff back then, I go, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. She looked that way. And did the cops see that, right? This suspicious behavior looks 
actions. Okay, here we go. Oh, oh, oh boy. Proof that three people killed Meredith uh, by the court, uh, the prosecution. They say uh, there was more than one person that killed Meredith. And they back it by saying Meredith knew how to protect herself. And there were no signs of a struggle. Is it possible that one killer, Rudy Guede, okay, handled Meredith so well she had no defense wounds? And a lot say that knew Meredith. She took defense classes, you know, like karate or defensive classes, where she could defend herself against an attack. Like she was a tough girl. And because they didn't find any defense wounds, that there had to be more than one person. Does that do it for me? No, it doesn't. And I'll tell you why. Uh, Rudy, he was a big guy. I mean, he wasn't huge, but a big guy, bigger than Meredith. And all it takes is just one hit. And you knock somebody out. Okay. So, I, 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 that's not enough for me to go, okay, yeah, there was more than one person there. Because there's no defense wounds. All it takes is that one, and you knock them cold. You know, you blindside somebody. A cold cock. Like, they're not expecting it. Rudy was, it, was there. And Meredith, vulnerable. Okay? Uh, he could have just got her. Knocked her out. And then had her way with her. Rudy Guede. Was he the only one? Did he just break in there? Looking for money. Looking for valuables. Because his rent was due. The next day. Or that day. First of the month. Was it just him? And uh, Meredith came home. Whoa! I think he was taking a shit at the time. If you want to buy into this story. Because here we go. All right. Here are the scenarios. Are we going to go there? Because I have uh, the Skype conversation that Rudy had with his friend. Uh, doesn't bring up Knox in the conversation. Um, I look more into this. That does nothing for me. Just because uh, Rudy says in confidence that Amanda wasn't there doesn't mean she wasn't there. It could be. Rudy is covering in some way uh, that if I say Amanda wasn't there, it won't implicate me further. It's possible. And leaving the shit in the toilet. All right, so yeah. Um, okay, so let's get into the scenarios then because I'm looking at down on my notes. Raph still felt for her. Oh, this is getting okay later. Okay, all right, the scenarios. Let's do it. Let's lay it out. What happened that night? What could have happened that night? And what do the scenarios look like? One by one. We're going to give you a few scenarios. What I think might have happened that night. We're going to start off with Magnini, the cop. What he feels happened that night. And I, I hope I didn't go over this yet. I don't think I did. I don't think so. I really don't. What does he think happened? 
This is what he thinks. And this is the cop, Magnini. The one that has it out for Amanda and Raph. He thinks Meredith came home that night by herself and came upon Amanda, Raph, and Rudy partying. Right? Just drinking, smoking, having a good time uh, on the night. Right? Uh, you know, free. Being loud. Meredith isn't happy about this. You know, what the hell? I want a quiet evening. She's not big fans of any of these three. And tells them to keep it down. They don't. This starts a little bit of a fight. Meredith has had enough of Amanda. Starts bringing things up. You're not doing this in the apartment. You're not doing that. Then I think there was an issue with money. Amanda wasn't paying her back or something. So things were said. Amanda didn't take too kindly to this. Okay, right? That makes sense. Your roommate's yelling at you. Yeah, you're dirty. (laughs) I don't like the people you bring in here. And I don't like this. I don't like that. You owe me money. What the fuck? You know, take your party somewhere else. I told you to be quiet. You're not. Then go somewhere else. Get the fuck out. Yelling at Amanda. Maybe saying a few inappropriate things. We don't know. Amanda, of course, gets offended and defends herself. Uh, Starts being cruel to Meredith. Goody two-shoes. You're, you know, blaming me for things? Judging me? Judge yourself. And Amanda and the other two boys being high... God only knows what they were on. When you're fucked up and high, I've been there. You do things you wouldn't normally do. Plus, you forget moments in the night. They're just gone. There's bits and pieces here and there. And is it possible that Amanda Knox, Raffaello Selecito, tough name to say, Selecito, and Rudy Guede were partying, having a good time, smoking it up, drinking it up, being all flirty with one another as well. Weird, but possible. They were in a mindset already. And then you have this roommate yelling at you. Amanda got cocky. She struck back. That's what the cop says. They start putting it to Meredith. How dare you? Goody two-shoes. Shame on you for making us feel unworthy to be in your presence. They start taking out knives. Rudy Guede always carried a knife with him. And guess who else always carried a knife with him? Raphael Selecito. And I say, you carry a knife around with you? What are you, in a gang? Come on. Who carries knives around? Oh, I did when I was 12. A little Bowie knife. You know, just in case I wanted to go in the backyard and, uh, you know, uh, whittle some wood. What the hell? They both carried knives. Things started to get a little serious. This is what they found on Meredith during the autopsy. She had been cut, stabbed, and slashed. And one of the most notable things that I found was on her neck, she had traces of nicks 
nicks. Not deep wounds, you know, uh, say a killer is having uh, their way with the victim, slashing. Not much nicking going on, and they're just they're not going to be nicks, especially to the neck area. What does that tell me? It tells me there is a good, great, excellent chance that poor Meredith Kircher, before she died, was taunted. And evidence of nicks on the neck would explain this. It's all coming together for a cop when they see evidence like that. Why would one killer nick somebody on the neck before they kill them? She wasn't tied up, folks. There are no signs of her being tied up. What? Wait. No. There are no signs. That she was tied up. Which means that if we're referencing the cop's theory, Amanda was the one yielding the knife. Raph and Rudy were holding Meredith down. I feel that to be if <laughs> the cop's theory holds water. That makes sense? Because... Would Amanda and Raph be holding Meredith and Rudy nicking Meredith? I guess that's possible. That's possible. But I don't see Amanda holding down Meredith. What happened that night? Was it like some crazy uh, taunting? Like It just got out of hand. Like When you're into that macabre stuff. And it now becomes like this reality. Being high. Is that theory possible? Did it just get out of hand? And as Amanda taunted Meredith that night. This is just a theory. (laughs) You can only imagine the words coming out of Meredith's mouth. Not Amanda. Meredith. Think about it. Amanda is taunting you. You know, putting a knife to your neck. Who you think you are? You think about your really teach you a lesson, right? Think about how creepy that is, too. By the way, creepy. You could only imagine the things coming out of Meredith. What, what was Meredith? Oh, please don't hurt me. This is a tough girl. I'm sure she was like you, fucking whore, bitch. <laughs> right? Right? Meredith was probably enraged. I mean, it went from like down here with a simple argument, you're not picking up your laundry, to holy fuck, you have a knife to my neck and you're threatening to hurt me. Like, it went from you're being a little bitch, pick up your clothes, to holy fuck you monster. Psychopath bitch face. What the fuck is wrong with you, you whore? Yeah, the things that, like, I'm trying to think, like, Meredith would be saying to Amanda. You know? Like, whoa! <laughs> and just stoking the fire even more for Amanda to do something really fucking stupid. <laughs> right? Like, getting her even more pissed. Like, that's possible. The things coming out of Meredith's mouth uh, were... 
I'm sure, incredible. If this theory holds water. And do I believe this theory? I don't know. I mean, is it possible? Yeah. My God. Wow. Um, that theory. What do you think about that theory? And why is it that only Rudy's DNA is all over that room, but not Amanda and Raph? That's the part that I get stumped on because even if Raph and Amanda, because Rudy just took off, I think after the murder, okay, he ran out of there. And there's proof of that. Like, he had his shoes still on. And he ran out the door. And he left all his blood everywhere. Um, but if Raph and Amanda were involved in some way, how did they do that cleanup? Where like, okay, they knew where Rudy's blood was, but not theirs. Or they knew where theirs were exactly and got rid of most of that. But not Rudy's. Like, how do you do that? Like, they knew for sure Rudy's blood was over there. <laughs> leave that blood. Uh, Raph, leave that blood all over there. That's fine. Uh, we're going to clean up our blood over here. That's weird. So, even though they found Selechito's blood on Meredith's bra clasp, right? Okay? I'm thinking they should have found more than that. And... Them finding the DNA of Meredith and Amanda combined in three other spots in the apartment, that's big for me. Um, so that sort of explains how they couldn't get everything. And that they really did a fantastic job in cleaning up their own DNA in that room. Because if you really do uh, dive into that, and they were aware of what was going on, although high, they weren't blacking out. Like, they were aware where they were. Where Amanda and Raph knew exactly where they were in that room. And I guess there was a lamp found under Meredith's bed. The cops found a lamp that didn't belong in Meredith's room. It was Amanda's lamp. What was Amanda's lamp doing under Meredith's bed at the crime scene? And some say Amanda went into her room after the murder, got her lamp... To help in the cleanup so they could see better. Folks, I know, weird stuff. Weird stuff. So that's uh, the one scenario. Okay. All right. Here's another one. And this is the just Rudy scenario. Because you have to explain the break-in. Could it have been faked, the break-in? Yes. Could have. Um, but Rudy Guede was known to burglarize and break into apartments, second stories, like he could get into it. And this is what he did, if this theory is correct. That Rudy alone, rent due, shit due, needs money, meat, and just needs stuff. He would break into stuff. He would. And he did, if this theory is correct. Gets in there. Feels that he has time. For some reason knows. The apartment 
Nobody's there. This is a great time for me to go in there, take my time, find some stuff, and get out. So he's in the apartment. He gets in, taking his time, putting things in his pocket. Maybe he didn't even steal anything yet. He's in there and realizes the kebab I had earlier that day, a meal he had earlier that day, a kebab, starts messing with him in his belly. Oh, shit. We've all been there. I got to take a shit. He has to take a shit. Hasn't even taken anything yet. He will, though, when he's done relieving himself. Goes into the bathroom and starts, you know, taking care of business. Oh. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes, especially if you're not feeling well, it takes a little while to, you know, feel better. And him thinking, I have all this time. Nobody's here tonight. I'm going to take that chance and relieve myself. Wow, what a call to make. In middle of said shit, Meredith comes home. He's like, oh, no. <laughs> He's pretty much done with this shit. He says he was sitting down for about 10 minutes. Okay, goodbye that. And Meredith walks in. What's he going to do, right? She's in. He's in the bathroom, probably reeking up the place. <laughs> Probably stunk in there, man. Gets up, doesn't flush, doesn't want to give himself away that badly. And, of course, Meredith catches him there. And then Rudy, in being caught, right? Oh, shit! Instead of saying, oh, boy, you know, I'm sorry, I broke in. I'm, I'm just going to fucking leave. And run out the door? He thinks it's a better idea to kill Meredith. For breaking and entering. Is that the uh, is that the story? That's one of them. Is that th- that makes sense? It's simple, but how likely is that? He would go from trying to steal something to murdering Meredith. Now I I think that Rudy did have a thing for her sexually. Okay, and I find it strange that he would try to make a move on her. After trying to rob her. Uh, That doesn't make sense. So we go to the other theory. The next theory of just Rudy. His story. That he and Meredith had a thing going on. A couple days before that. They shared a kiss. They set up a date. He came over. They talk. They neck. They mess around. They don't have sex because they don't have a condom. Okay. There was just some oral pleasure, and they both decide, no sex, no condom, okay. His kebab that he had earlier that day starts messing with him at that time. Gets up, excuses himself. Meredith, I have to shit. Give me a few minutes. Goes into the bathroom, takes a shit in the middle of his 10-minute shit. Somebody comes in and murders Meredith. He hears screams from his loud music. Gets scared. (gasps) What's that? Doesn't flush toilet. He's scared. Gets up. Runs to the next room. Sees a silhouette of somebody. A man. Okay. Murdering Meredith. Getting up. Leaving. Ah! Whoa! She's dead. And now he's scared. And tries to help Meredith. 
getting her blankets, things like that. Stop bleeding. I'm trying to help her, hugging her, holding her, rooting for her. Get scared himself. Oh my God, I have to get the fuck out of here and leaves for Germany. That's his story. How possible is that story? It's vague. A silhouette of somebody? Sounds like he's covering up something to me. If that story is true in any way. What do you think? Leave comments. Leave reviews. I'm going to look at my notes and see if anything makes sense. The press demonizes Amanda. And I've mentioned that before. They were rough with her. It was very unnecessary. Oh, God. Donald Trump shows up in this doc. And I went, wow. There's Don. He was a big supporter of Amanda. She's American. Trump, Mr. America. America's the best, right? I love the sentiment. Root for that. But Don, do you really know if she's innocent or not? Making those calls. He's uh, saying how corrupt Italy's courts are and you can't trust them and bring our girl home. I get it. She's our girl. But I think I'm going to trust what the Italian people say about this situation a little bit more than us here in America. And I found it very interesting, doing my research about this, that the American opinion is completely different from Italy's in this matter. A majority of Americans, majority, believe that Amanda is innocent. I say it's about 55-45 on that. We're in Italy. They think Amanda and Raffaele are guilty as hell. And they were there. Seeing it firsthand. Seeing what happened in the courts. The opinions. The facts. The, the, the things. The behaviors. What not. I think I'm going to take what Italy says more. Is that bad on me? I don't know. What, what does that say? That they were there and they believe Amanda to be guilty. Um, and Trump uh, just downing uh, the Italian court system and, and sort of like everything there. And I love America too. And as much as Trump loves America, and I love that, um, don't be dissing other countries like that. It just does does you no good. And I get it. You're trying to stick up for the American girl because she might be innocent. You know, and I get that, but uh-uh. That's, that's a bad look. And I love the response from one of the Italian lawyers that was involved in this case, his response to just the general American opinion about what was going on there, he's had a nice quote. This is his quote about that. Defending Italy, his home. Quote, in 1308, the first faculty of law was in Europe in 1308. In America in 1308, they were drawing 
buffaloes in caves, end quote. Probably true. (laughs) Wow. Uh, The U.S. media only focuses on DNA. This is true. And I want it to be known. And those of you who do research on uh, big cases and almost any murder case, it's rare that people get off because of DNA. Don't believe all the fucking TV shows you watch, all CSI bullshit. It's TV, folks. Entertainment. And it's all based on DNA. That's not how the real world works. Not in reality. Circumstantial evidence means something. When you do the police work, and these cops, detectives, doing their job, putting a puzzle together means something in the case. Not just blood, blood helps. Blood may explain a few things. There may be questions on. But you put everything together. Don't just say, they didn't have concrete DNA. Innocent. No fucking way, man. Everybody would get off doing murder. Out of the DNA. We can fuck with it in some way. Doesn't mean anything. You get a good enough defense lawyer. And I'm talking about... Top-notch defense lawyers that know what the fuck's going on. The ones that get paid ridiculous paychecks. We'll find a way to get somebody free from charges. O.J. Simpson. Don't be fooled by this whole... uh, The DNA evidence wasn't uh, strong enough. Fuck that. Simply put... Amanda Knox tells lies. Knox states in the doc that there is no trace of DNA in Meredith's room. And that's true. But there were, and I put here, there were five dried blood drops found in other rooms in the house with both Knox and Kircher's DNA. You know, I just... Knox pleads to the audience in the doc that we're judging her. Yeah, we are. But we're judging her by the way she acts and her eyes. And Amanda, I am. I am judging you on how you act and your eyes. That says a lot. It says a lot. Was it a burglary gone wrong? was Rudy, the only one. Four years after the murder, there's an appeal decision. Knox and Raff are released. More DNA evidence, but it's insufficient. It's just too small. And I say, uh, too bad. It's DNA evidence. I don't care how small it is. Man, I, I don't know how they can spin that. How do they do that? It's just, It's just way too small. But there is DNA evidence there. It's too small. It's too small? It's it's tiny. Teeny little evidence. We need a puddle of blood. Not just a little bit. I don't know how, like, all this stuff, it works. The court acknowledges Knox and Raff were present during the murders. But not enough evidence. Folks, let me say that again. 
as we wrap up this episode. We're over an hour. Thank you for hanging in there with me. I hope you're entertained and learned something. But let me state that one more time. And the person who left me that comment the other day on my last show, defending Knox, I get it. That's the way you feel. And I'm not dogging you for that. But how do you explain this? Give a comment on this. Because I still don't know either way. I'm just stating what I found out. Get this. Court. The court. The fucking court. That Raph and Amanda were charged in. And then officially released? Acknowledges Knox and Selechito were present during the murders. The court acknowledges that. Holy balls of shit. Apologize for my language. But explain that one. Knox gives a press conference after her release. And it looks a little forced. I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't buy this girl at all. Ever. 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 She does cry for herself when she feels bad for herself. She cries. That's about it. Raph does seem genuine to me in his press conference. And also, Raph does look genuine to me in interviews he gives even recently. He actually doesn't seem like he's full of shit. So, if he was involved in some way, damn good liar. I mean, hey, there's good liars out there. They're called actors. Okay. (laughs) What this says to me, if he was involved, is Raph doesn't remember much about that night. He was drinking and smoking and all that shit. I think he was high as a kite. And I think he likes the fact that he's treated like a celebrity. I think he likes it. Wow. Knox is now famous. It's true. And We don't know Amanda. You and I. Unless you're part of her family. Friends. Close friends. We don't know her. We have opinions of her. We And in these opinions, uh, they sway us here and there about what happened. And is that right? No, it's not. We shouldn't judge her guilt or innocence based solely on her behavior, based solely on her lies. People lie. There are people out there that lie for no good reason. Uh, they're called perpetual liars. It's true. Amanda talks to Raph on the phone after she finds out that everything, all the charges have been dropped, and that's it. That's the end. They're on the phone with one another in the dock, and she is ecstatic. The, probably the first real true emotion that I see out of Knox during the whole dock is when she's talking on the phone with Raph Excited that it's finally over. Think about that. The last scene in the dock, or one of the last scenes, is of Meredith's mother. And she's just utterly confused about it all. Her daughter is dead, murdered. 
trials, accusations, rumors, all this stuff. Nasty, nasty things. All the court appearances, the tears, the confusion, all those questions. And she's looking into the camera just saddened and confused and says, two convictions, two releases, it just doesn't make sense. And you're right, Mom. <clears throat> it doesn't. Was Amanda and Raph tried by the media? Because Nick Pisa tries to make himself feel better about putting out news without double-checking his stories. Pfft. Boo fucking who? Don't feel sorry for Nick Pisa. Not at all. He made a name for himself about this whole thing. And he did it in a very dirty, disgusting way. Big time. Piece of slime. Nick Pisa. So, in a way, yeah. Amanda and Raph were tried by the media. And that's horrible. So, this is a very revealing documentary about the situation around Meredith Churcher's death. And Magnini admits Knox might be innocent. Even he admits that. Because he wasn't there. Now, he'll put money down saying that she's guilty, of course, because he believes that she is. But I find it interesting that Magnini himself, the evil person in this whole thing, right? I mean, people despise this guy. Even he says there is a chance she's innocent. That's a man stepping up. He ain't that bad. And the last quote from Knox as we end this episode, she says, quote, Fear makes people crazy. End quote. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you for those touching, subtle, inspiring, insightful, incredible, magnificent, fantastic words coming out of your truthful mouth. Thank you for listening to this episode of the actor's room. And if Amanda Knox is innocent, if she's innocent, straight up, I know I paused there. I had to just think about that. Like if she is innocent and had nothing to do with this, nothing. Boy, I don't like her. Not at all. I feel sorry for some of the things that happened to her. If she's innocent, by God, of course, being sent to prison. That's horrible. Of course. It's messed up. If you're sent to prison for something you didn't do. I mean, these things happen. Okay. Is it just horrible of me to say that I just don't care for her? I don't care how she reacted. I mean, she was so insensitive. Doesn't make her guilty, though. I'm very interested to hear your thoughts. Concerns, opinions, 
and what I said or what you feel. And thank you for hanging in there with me during this time. I uh, hope you had fun. Or if not, you're interested uh, or you're thinking to yourself, here we are an hour and 15 minutes in. I'm still listening. What am I doing with my life? I've wasted an hour and 15 minutes of my day, my life. I learned nothing from this. God, I hope that's not true. I hope you learned something. My name's Jeff. In the middle of summer, and here we are, 2020, the year to remember or forget. God. We're going to get through this, look back and go, boy, we got through it. It was ridiculous. It was sad. It was trying, confusing, uh, very emotional. Things going on. I can't explain it. Can you? I hope you're doing all right. Uh, those of you that are directly affected by not being able to work, uh, where you're quarantined, or you're told you can't go out. I mean, is that where we're at, folks? I did the episode of acting school. I talk about my experiences there at acting school, what it meant to me, the people I met, uh, how I was influenced. And at the end of the episode, this was right before shit went down here in America with Corona. And I said, settle. It's okay. You know, it's a virus. It's a flu. It will do some damage. But so can other things as well. Like, there's things out there that can hurt you. Okay? There's a risk in everything you do. There's a risk in smoking cigarettes. I smoke cigarettes. Oh, not that much, but I smoke cigarettes. I'm taking a risk that in 20 years, I will have health issues because I smoke today. I get in a car. We traveled to Tennessee last week on the highway going 80 miles per hour. I'm taking a risk that some piece of shit is going to cut me off and we're in the median. There's a chance of something happening every single day of your life. But we go out and we take that chance. No matter how slim it is, okay, that something might happen walking out your front door. But we live our life. There's a risk in everything. What are you going to do? Stay home. I don't see bodies piling up outside my door from coronavirus. I don't see hospitals overflowing of patients jumping out of windows because of coronavirus. If that was the case, where all of these people in a ridiculous rate or percentage are dying, like 5% of the population is dying from this virus. By God, shut my door, you know, flying food from the window. I get it. I mean, 5%, that's a big number. <laughs> if 5% of the people were dying from this thing, shit. It's not even close to that. It, it's a bad virus. I'm not saying it's not. Folks, that, that's right. It's risk. It, it affects older people with health issues, mostly. Okay? People with low 
uh, deficiency, immune systems. They, they, they find it hard to fight this thing off. They're high risk. I get that. Those are the ones that should be hiding away if they want to. But they also have the right as a person in a free society to go to the store to take that risk. The risk of us doing something every day. We could die. You could die tomorrow. You don't want to think about that, but it's true. We got to start living our lives again. Don't be afraid. Don't make them do that to you. It could be the press. It could be your next door neighbor. Spewing. BS. We still don't know everything about this virus. I can't wait until this is all over. Are you done? We're all done. We're just spent. Spent. And I, it's it's just, I'm. thank you for hanging in there with me as I spew out. I'm sure there's only like six people still listening to me right now. It's my show. They got baseball back. Came back like two days ago. Major League Baseball. And of course these guys are being tested every day, I'm sure. All these guys. And of course a few of them are coming back positive. Showing like no signs of illness. That's what this thing is. It's really not affecting a lot of people. It's out there. And it's going to run its course. So please. My whole point is. And I say this with passionate love for you. Listening to my show. Because every single person that listens to my show. And listens to the whole show. I love you. I love you. With passion, with love, affection, you have no idea. And I'm saying this with passionate affection and love to you. Stay sane. If, you're, if you are sane about this whole thing, God bless you. you. You got through it, right? You get it. You understand the B-fucking-S. And you're okay. God bless you. But if you're not, and you're scared. I hope I hope that you listen to this. Listen to my voice. Listen to me. It's okay. It's okay. Right? You're going to be fine. Listen to my show. Enjoy it. Learn something. Get entertained. Whatever it is that you get out of this show. I hope it helps your day. I hope it helps you. In this hour and 22 minute show. In the actor's room. Yeah, baby. My voice. Oh. <clears throat> I should have water here. Okay. My next show hopefully will be in two weeks. I have somebody in mind I want to do. An actor. No. Not an actor. I'm not going to say. I have someone in mind. Uh, and if I don't get to that person... I'm going to do a film, and then, by God, a hundred episode coming up very soon. That will be about Marlon Brando. I've talked about him about three years ago, and I don't like my version three years ago. That was like the first shows I did. They're horrible. Folks, they're horrible. They're just bad shows. Okay. There's a lot of good information, but my delivery was so bad. I've gotten better at this, and I want certain aspects of Marlon Brando to come through, hopefully in one episode. 
Hopefully I can fit it in to one episode. Kind of pointing out some significant uh, facts and interesting tidbits about the man, Mr. Marlon Brando. Okay. Thank you. Once again, long show. Thanks for hanging in with me. Hopefully, you're okay. And uh, may you have a great day. A great night. Appreciate great art. I have been for the past, God, four months. I enjoy great art. Seeing films, catching up on stuff, watching new shows. Um, It's great. It's good for the soul. It's good for your mind. And also, don't forget, get some exercise. Take walks, right, with your significant other, by yourself, with your dog. Exercise. Keep the blood flowing. May you have a wonderful, wonderful night. God bless you. Have a good one.